This podcast is brought to you by Eversage Law Practice. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Weekly Nugget. I'm Ivy Sekibo, and once again, we're starting with the facts. Did you know that according to the Minister of Finance, Budget, and National Planning, Zainab Ahmed, the federal government will require an annual injection of 36 trillion naira to address the nation's infrastructure deficit? While the story continues to develop, it becomes important to consider how this has and will continue to affect the real estate market. The easiest answer is access. Increased access through the deployment of major roads, airports, railways, and so on could bring a positive change in the industry where investments may begin to flow out of more saturated markets like Lagos towards other cities. This podcast is brought to you by Eversage Law Practice. Welcome back to the Weekly Nugget. Today's guest is a good friend of mine who also happens to be the founder and research director of Estate Intel a closed source information portal aimed at providing a reliable and accurate data source to real estate developers and investors in Africa. It is the first of its kind, and you can find more information about Estate Intel in the episode description. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ivy. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and um, what you do? Tell us the story behind Estate Intel. Okay, awesome. Um, well, I am Dolakbo, Dolakbo Midure, and I'm the founder of Estate Intel. Um, essentially, at Estate Intel, we are a data platform that provides information to people who work in the real estate and construction industry. Okay, so essentially, every month, um, my team adds historic rental, sale, and occupancy information for multiple properties across the country to help people who work in the industry make sense of what's going on. Um, I mean, it essentially started uh, many years ago when um, I was in uni and um, studying investment and finance in property, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I had access to a bunch of these tools that uh, the Western world and the developed markets use when they're analyzing the real estate markets. When I eventually came back from uni, I wanted to start working in the industry. Um, and there was so much construction and real estate activity going on. I was trying to find similar platforms so that I could just get that information just because I was interested. Um, and when I didn't find it, I just started blogging. I found bits of data and I would organize it into simple blog posts. And um, I got really exciting feedback from consultants, big four consultants, hotel consultants, developers, just very appreciative of the information that we're putting out and essentially we've spiraled and snowballed into where we are now so Uh, what's your data source so i know obviously the people that you're marketing to would they not be the ones because while we're doing research i was kind of thinking okay how does this work you get information about the industry to give to the industry so you get more (laughs) yeah i guess it can be double-sided right okay um and the the biggest problem i would say is that there is information out there um, it's just um, very unstructured. Oh, okay. It's um, mixed with a lot of inaccurate data as well. So a lot of the information, or a lot of the work, is actually just organizing what is there and making it centrally available. So you're I a think, data analyst now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Abby, you can say it like that. But <laughs> I think the, the second layer is um, thankfully we've been able to build up some form of report and track record. So um, where we need to verify things, um, we call up developers, uh, and sometimes they share they share their own information on their projects with us at will. Um, mm-hmm. So that helps us just keep the system going. Um, and essentially, any data that we put on the platform is um, either gutting directly. It's always from the horse's mouth, so we don't we don't try we don't work with third parties so that we can be sure of the accuracy and, and can verify anything that we put out. 
Okay, so I'm going to skip forward because I, I feel like this question is more relevant here. Mm-hmm. But who do you think benefits the most from your platform? Who are the people that say that you would, you know, if you had a room full of them, you would they be... swear by. Yeah. So I would say that, I don't know if I can now say two people, but um, I think my initial thinking was investors and developers. So people who are trying to allocate money to the real estate sector. And if you look at our revenue, that's pretty much where most of the revs are coming from. People who want to develop, want to invest, and they're like, okay, give me some insights. Should I be doing this? Should I wait a couple years, um, should we make this bigger? Am I going to be able to achieve these prices? Is this realistic? Is this reasonable? That's that's where, if we're looking at the revs, um, that's where most of the value is coming from. But I mean, an unexpected place where we've seen that we've had some impact is with construction consultants. Um, and because we gather so much information on the real estate market, um, or rather on ongoing construction projects, um, which is related to the, the real estate market, um, construction consultants who are like selling things like tiles or like lights and we're talking large scale people mm-hmm. they're selling to hotels selling to office buildings selling to um, large residential projects they end up using estate intel to see okay uh, this is the next project coming up oh, okay look this is the architect in this project this is the project manager now let's go and sell let's take our stuff and go and sell to them as opposed to them just walking around the streets mm-hmm. so um we've 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 seen that the in terms of volume of people those are probably the largest people that use estate intel um yeah so i, I would say it's twofold so essentially the investor, investors and the developers but also um the construction consultants who essentially use estate intel for their business development so what about pricing um i feel like i went on your website and i was looking for let's say do you have information on the price of this and the price mm-hmm. of that i was like okay this is not really a property listing yeah um, <laughs> platform but at the same time i feel like it should pricing be there. is it's very important. important um now when you say pricing you mean the pricing of the properties themselves yes so if someone is you know coming up with a project they would say this is going to be a prox- worth approximately this Excellent. amount yeah. right mm-hmm. um do you feel like pricing is something that you would want to start listing on the platform or do you feel like you kind of move into to becoming listing. a speculator yeah no i mean i think um, and we've had the debate in the office a few times about listing platform versus where we are now. And I think we, we do we, we actually do include pricing information for some of the properties, not all of them, um, where we're able to get them from the developer, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of cases where people put up a project and then multiple people are saying, okay, this is $7 million. Another person says it's $9 million. Somebody else says it's 6 We don't really want to get into that. Okay. Um, so once we're able to confirm specific pricing for a from property from the developer that's be what there. will it'll be on be, there it, that's what will show okay so do you think that your platform has sway over um let's say what prices the other like let's say i'm a developer mm-hmm. and i come onto your platform and i see that all the properties in this specific area you know they you know they price them at this amount or yeah. it costs this you know these are the prices for the materials coming in do you think that you know they look at that and it influences their own projects and then your platform starts to kind of inform the market in a sense like starts to drive mm-hmm. you know and stop people from like let's say going crazy with their own prices yeah no honestly that that's the idea and that's what we would like to do and, and that's that is what we would like our impact to be, right? Okay. And um, yeah, you, you definitely find that 
in the same area, different properties, very similar properties in the same area have completely different pricing. Mm. Um, sometimes it's a lack of, um, it's just people not being informed, but um, I think there are also some other dynamics that might not be visible to the public. Um, the land prices, um, the, the amount of time maybe the person has been building for, and the price fluctuations they saw during the thing. But I mean, that's, that's a whole other story. But I think that they, what we are trying to do is um, create a source of truth for rental sale prices, occupancy rates in a particular area. So we would want a developer to come and say, okay, okay I'm pricing my own at 10 million. Let me go and see on the state intel, what are they saying is the average price for this property mm-hmm. in this area. And once they see that, they can say, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm being too aggressive or maybe they see, ah, the average is nine million, and why am I pricing at six? Maybe mm. I need to. Uh, do I need to refurbish, or do I need to up my rent? So yeah, essentially, we would like for the platform to become, to be able to sway and guide research decisions. Guide research, or guide guide sway. business guide um, yeah guide decision making business decision making. Okay, all right. So I'm going to kind of pivot towards because obviously we're a law firm, so things mm-hmm, we want to know mm-hmm. are quite law related. Mm, of course. Um, in terms of legislation, so we did some research and mm-hmm. we found out that for your um, specific niche, there is no legislation targeted at closed source um, mm-hmm. information provision services. And, you know, the main issue whenever we see that there is no legislation, that means that legislation can be introduced. Now, does that create some sort of uncertainty for you is that something that you know you kind of have been you've thought about and you're guiding against yeah yeah no i mean i think from a regulatory perspective um whether we're not even even if we're not talking about the 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 closed source data or the open source data um nigeria is very volatile Mm. so um new legislation can be introduced and they essentially just tell you from tomorrow it's active there's no time to even change or was trying to scale up to, to be able to do what the legislation might ask. But I think with regards to that, the, the way we collect our data is, I think one is proprietary and we're not collecting anything that, um, I, at least I would expect that should raise any flags if we, if we want to keep it within our, the bounds of our, our own personnel or our own business database. Mm-hmm. Um, we're collecting information on building performance. I do think it could be useful for some governmental agencies that are trying to track, um, that might, yeah, they just want to track, okay, what's going on um, in the market, even this construction project that just happened. Um, the, sorry, not construction project, this collapse in Ikoi that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2019, we've been tracking the project mm-hmm. and we've been tracking all the um, construction, the construction team members, so the engineers, the days and we can see what other projects that they have been involved with. So, I mean, that could, and I'm, where I'm going with this is that it could be useful to the government. Mm-hmm. So they might want to say, okay, how can, what, what legislation can we introduce to um, get access to that or to see if that can help. But um, I mean, I, I think um, in summary, yes, we are aware of um, the larger regulatory risk in terms of things being able to change at, at any point. Mm. Um, so I think what we just try and do is make sure that um, the way we're collecting our data and how we're storing it is um, is um, standard and best practice. And I think we can only see and anticipate whatever eventually so, comes. So I have two follow-on questions to that. First question is, what is the worst case scenario for mm-hmm. you? So let's say worst thing happens, how do you feel like that 
could affect your business and obviously the knock-on effect on the services that you provide sure i mean i'm worst case scenario i mean i don't i'm not sure what the worst case scenario looks like but i mean if i just liken the type of work that we do to other businesses um or to other asset classes so we have i'm, I'm in real estate but um, in fixed income and in equities um, there are data platforms that are subscription based as well mm-hmm. um so fmdq i mean they are obviously massive but they run a subscription data service to asset managers and investment bankers so that they can see recent pricing on bonds yields whatever so that they can essentially optimize their portfolio and do whatever they need to do so um i mean i i wouldn't so i mean in in, in if we're using on an asset class basis even bloomberg there are there's little room for them to completely come as just clamp down because yeah. um, it's it's similar types of data we're essentially just collecting the performance of an asset class just so like you're pretty guys. safe that's what you're saying that's the expectation because it's just information yeah, market performance yeah, yeah so okay so the other question is because i know you mentioned just now that you try to keep the highest standard of mm-hmm. data protection so is, does that mean that there hasn't been much shift since 2019 when they introduced the Data Protection Act? Um, I mean, the, the only major thing that probably changed was not even at that point. It was um, when GDPR happened. GDPR is the EU. It's, yeah, exactly. It's I know. limited so, to the EU. So we looked at that right. and we just looked, okay, what this is what we could say a global standard right. is and um, this is what this is what they're doing okay how do we stand relative to that and um i mean in terms of the types of information that we store how we store it i think we're pretty good so on the financial side uh, we mentioned just before this um, things like what debit cards um, user information yeah. we don't store that on our platform so okay. we don't have any risk it's all third party linked. okay but do you not have because obviously part of the um the requirements on the data protection act is that if you are not necessarily you're processing the data mm-hmm. but then it's a third party that you know holds this data on mm-hmm. behalf of your um the data subject company. so that is the organization the company the individual yeah. what have you aren't you because i know that there has to be some sort of standard operating terms between you and the third party to make sure that they are doing they are doing yeah i mean we the the people that would work with i mean there are three paystack actually it's just paystack and um monify so monify they're part of a larger group um team apt thank you they're part of the larger team app group so those two are i mean paystack is obviously part of um what's the name in the us um it's just raised a whole lot of money swipe stripe (laughs) look at us Um, stripe (laughs) stripe um and then um, team apt is also one of the best so in terms of um their own ability to follow best practice mm-hmm. i mean that's 100 percent and guaranteed so that that, that doesn't even so need to you be have that for us yeah, yeah that is that is okay. that is fine okay in terms of what you're doing now there is it's it's relatively new mm-hmm. right there's not as many people doing this and like you said you started out trying to find the information found out that you couldn't find the information so you started a state intel mm-hmm. right and so did you have any diff like when you first started did you have any difficulty sensitizing the industry and getting people you know on board and who would you say were your biggest allies in getting the word out i love it um i mean i think that yeah that process is probably still ongoing okay. um 
as I mentioned in the develop in developed markets, these types of platforms are um, are the Bible or it's it's, it's the there's norm. no war. Yeah, it's the yeah. norm. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's essentially like um, when I was in the US the last month for the accelerator program we got in, and I was trying to explain um, Estate Intel. They were like, "Oh, there's no." How does that work in the entire continent? Mm. Um, there, there's no, there's no platform for people to get comps and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, right now, I think what what the market is used to is um, reports, just getting reports, calling people. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we are also doing is making sure that we're not um, just trying to completely change the whole way that people are used to it. We have to guide them across, mm-hmm. keep doing the reports right, but. Um, also show them that you can actually get access to this just with a, with a few clicks and when you're doing it with a few clicks um, it's it's easier to update so if I'm sending you a report most likely that report was done at the beginning of the year a couple months ago but if you're clicking a dashboard my team has we update our database every day so mm-hmm. you're seeing real-time right, stuff okay. so that is most likely going to be more relevant and you can still in that you can check okay let me see what it was last year the year before the year before the year before so that's um the, the sensitization process is still ongoing but um i mean i think it's one that is um, welcome and people people like what we're doing in terms of the allies um thankfully and even till yeah up until just very recently most of all our traffic and our revenue and anything has been organic right. um so we had i mean right at the beginning um, we had lots of people sharing what we're doing. Very excited. Oh, wow, there's this platform. Go and check Estate Intel. Even until now, I don't think we've... Um, everybody knows everything um, that we do. But um, we find that a lot of people on their own just share what we do. Um, so, I mean, that that has been particularly useful for the business. Right. So, the way it sounds... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Do you think that your... I, we've spoken about your allies. Do you think that your, I want to say nemesis, because that sounds okay, but no, your, <laughs> you know, your direct competition will be estate valuers and people that, you that know, do the service, do the same thing. They provide information on different property values and they submit it directly to their clients. Mm. So, do you think that people, rather than going to their estate valuers, they could just check on estate? Intel. Look, I mean, I think um, estate. In, I said, Estate surveyors and valuers are also part of our clients. They're, they're, oh, okay. they're client base as well. How so, so? Um, valuers, for example, when you're trying to value a property, you need data. Right. Um, and most of the data now is either word of mouth, so calling, oh, have you valued a property on this road before? Or if by chance they have, they, they might have it in their internal records. But what this just means is that by the time they're submitting that valuation report, the person on the other side can say, oh, where did you get this data? I can't change it. Oh, no. Um, there's, there's just a lot of um, volatility. So if yeah. you ask two valuers to do the same thing, um, more times often than not, you find that there's such a discrepancy in the property value. And that's because there's no consistent source for people to, to mm. get info. So what we that type of information we can help we, we, we provide to estate surveyors and valuers um, they are also potentially looking for listings for their clients and um, we can show them okay these are the new projects in this area mm-hmm. um, so there, there are a lot of things that we can that we also do for them I, I don't not no, I don't believe we definitely aren't replacing estate surveyors and okay. valuers so um, I think it's all part of an ecosystem these platforms exist in the western world and they, they still have and the brokers and the agents everyone. are still massive yes. and um, growing so 
we're going to talk about your role mm-hmm. at Estate Intel, um, which, as I understand, involves a lot of trend watching and you know, make you know, checking to see what's happening and getting all that information. So, based on how long have you been doing this? Oh gosh, I don't want to say <laughs> too long. Well, I mean, I, I quit my job in 2017. So let's say you've been doing this since 2017, right? So since 2017 up until now, we're at the tail end of 2021. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been the most reoccurring or the biggest trend that you know you would want to point out to budding investors or real estate investors or people like me who are thinking about it but haven't quite had the, I don't want to say, had the confidence to put money to in. put money in, right? Mm. I mean, I think it's anticipate the wave. Um, so I quit my job in 2017, but I'd been blogging before that. And um, I remember while in, and the market has changed so much in 2014, 15, just when I had come back from uni, it was super bullish. It was a really exciting mm-hmm. time for real estate. Um, economy was just rebased. We were still growing at one of the fastest pace. Population was sounding sexy. Um, everything was going very well. And there was also a lot of construction, like I mentioned. Um, and construction, yeah, especially in the office and the retail space. And I remember there was a project that we had started doing even before there was any sign of the economy going, like oil prices going down. It was like the supply that's going to come onto the market in 2016 is going to be so much that rents and other things are going to have to dip. Um, it, it, it's the, the, the demand was not enough to support it. And where I'm going with this, and as I said, anticipate the wave. I think we're entering a similar space now. I'm not sure how exactly it's going to play out within the residential space. Thankfully, people have opened their eyes to see that there's such a massive market with young professionals, like all these studios, one beds. Mm-hmm. So many people need that type of housing and everybody else has been developing four beds, three beds, terraces, houses. Meanwhile, there's um, a lack of supply of that type of property. Right now, though, we've seen so much supply in the pipeline and um, one of my team members Martin just wrote a note about how Freedom Way and roads around Freedom Way are going to have about 1,200 new apartments in 2024 sure and about traffic, it's, um, yeah exactly well traffic <laughs> yeah I mean I spoke about that what, 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 what people what they need to do they're going to fix the traffic um, and the expectation is that some pricing will soften I mean people who are in all these broken up duplexes mm-hmm. um would definitely gravitate to higher quality stock, purpose-built stu- one beds and studios. Um, so there's going to be, there might be some excess supply. Mm-hmm. But I think um, what, what I'm just getting at is if, if you're trying to invest in real estate, and I guess I'm speaking more from a big institutional investor perspective, it's just trying to anticipate the wave and look at the supply, look out over the next few years and just try to figure out, okay, what is coming onto the market and where should I be positioning? Um, because it's not really just about, oh, Ah, the price of this land or the price of these types of properties have grown X percent over the last five years. You sort of need to take a view on what exactly is happening in the future um, to, to, to really get a sense of where you should be positioning. So I asked this question in the last interview, um, last week's interview, Mm -hmm. Um, young homeowners, what do you think, how do you feel like, you know, what is the place of young homeowners in this market? Because mm-hmm. I, I, there are people that are, you know, just now coming into money, yeah. um, and they would want to buy, as opposed to renting for however long. Mm-hmm. They, and they might not want to buy something big; they just want to buy, right? So, do you think that there is any hope for young homeowners 
or are we seeing a situation where the prices are so high that you know their salary can't support it they can't get a mortgage we don't really have that kind of infrastructure here that would allow young homeowners like really thrive yeah i mean i think it's a it's a relative thing so a young homeowner can buy a house in Ikoi. a young homeowner can buy a house in how young are we talking in Shambutado. no i'm just saying it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends so i think um if we're talking price point i mean the biggest issue of course is just there's no access to finance um ideally yeah. anybody that's been in even if you're fresh out of school if you get a good job in your first year you should be able to get a mortgage get a house in, um, yes. in a developed economy or in a, in a economy where the mortgage system works but that's not that's not where we are right now but i mean i think the best thing that we have available is um i guess the payment plans um, that allow people to buy upfront um also not upfront um, off plan and then um at least it gives you some flexibility like two years or 18 months to try and find the money which i mean in in itself is still kind of ridiculous because if you're if you're a young professional maybe you started working three years and you have to buy a house say two bedroom house in let me use somewhere in aja or some or anyway let's say somewhere for 25 35 million mm. and um you have 18 months to pay that's over two million or that's like one point something million on a monthly basis. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's still very difficult. So there still need there still has to be some form of support. I know some of the some developers like Mixter, Alpha Mid, ETC are working with um, the government to provide um, loans of six percent. Um, so that, that 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 eases it. But the ac- the ability to access that is not as easy as um, as it seems. Mm. Um, so that is often a challenge. But I mean. Honestly, for young homeowners, it's um, it's a game of um, how how fast can you find big 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 chunks of cash? Because right. without that, it's, it's, um, it's going to be difficult. very difficult. Yeah, it's, okay, but so I mean, just to add, sorry, Abby, um, buying land is obviously a good way to just hedge for that. So even if maybe I can't buy a house right now, find somewhere that has some growth potential, buy the land, and then as you go, you can um, you can do whatever you can. Okay, so I'm gonna. This question is not part of the curated mm-hmm. FAQs, but um, so my mom, my sister, and I, mm-hmm. we had this wild and crazy idea. Well, it's not that wild and crazy. I'm sure people have been doing it, but it was wild and crazy for us. We mm-hmm. wanted to go into like a developing area, so like Lakwe and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. behind, just all the way towards Ogun State, yeah. right? And um, towards Ekwe and buy like um maybe two or three parcels of Mm -hmm. land just like maybe a couple of plots right together close together hold it and then wait for the you know the price to go up and let it appreciate a bit and then sell do you think that that is a good entry point for people that want to get into the real estate marketplace or you know is that something that's like well it can just crash and well i mean they don't they don't make land right you don't make land so a land acquisition is never really a bad idea right and they don't make more of it Um, okay well technically they do because of land land, (laughs) (laughs) but usually those ones are very expensive but i think um that's definitely not a bad idea i have land in the Oh, wow. um, interesting. My cousin and I did the same thing that you just spoke about. We, okay. we, we did, but we did do it by Lakaway. We did it um, somewhere in Ekwe. I'm very excited about Ekwe um, um, personally, mm-hmm. um, and I think existing communities where there is new infrastructure development grow significantly. And 
I think that's why Ekbe is a good area for investment. But essentially, yeah, that's a good way to start. I don't plan on doing anything on that land. Um, building right. as I mean, I've never been to. Okay, I've been to Ekbe twice, once or twice, um, and I don't intend. I don't even think. Uh, why do I want to go to that place for the next two years? But I mean, the idea is we hold on to it. We can either sell it or flip it eventually, or if um, it's looking exciting, we can build something there and do something yeah. eventually. But, I, I'm always yeah. of the mind that um, in terms of the value of your property, you have to kind of anticipate whether commercial mm-hmm. is going to follow the residential because it might, like, I know that's not really like a technical term. Mm-hmm. They didn't teach you this no, in school. No, I get you. But, <laughs> but um, I've always been of the mind that, you know, the place is empty and then a mall comes. And all of a sudden, sure. you see lots of people are more willing to live close to a mall, mm-hmm. somewhere you can get your hair done, like, rather than having to go all Drive the really way far. to Victoria Island for Definitely Maja. Not. Yeah. So, you know, that type of thing. What I would do is start by looking at the area as a whole. Mm. Um, so it's not just, okay, this is a land um, in this area and it looks really cheap, let me buy it. It's um, mm. understanding, okay, what is this area like? Um, what are the amenities? Um, mm. What is the prospect of amenities? Uh, especially if there's nothing there, uh, which is what you're going to find if you're trying to buy these really cheap um, places um, that are further down the Lekki Corridor. So you want to look for major roads um, that pass through because Access. eventually those places will get um, those amenities, those facilities that young people or anybody in general would want to live near to. So I think it, it's, um, it goes beyond, um, yeah, it just goes beyond finding something that's selling land, but looking at that and um, like I said, anticipating, anticipating the wave mm-hmm. um, by also just looking at, okay, what exactly is this area? is. Um, where is, is is this going to be a hub for activity um, and is it not going to be one so I guess yeah you just have to think about that you just have to think about it okay mm-hmm. well thank you I feel like that's we've covered everything awesome. one way or the other mm-hmm. um, so we're going to move into the next segment there's another oh there's another thank segment you. surprise surprise so this segment I explained it on the other but because you are new to us okay. um, it's called spin the wheel Okay. Right. So what we do is that we have a list of questions under each category. We have about, I want to say, seven categories. Okay. And um, I have my little handy spin the wheel app, which okay. for some reason has to keep downloading every time I have to do this episode. Okay. Thing. It's going faster, isn't it? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's fine. Um, okay. So what we're going to do is that we're going to spin the wheel. It's going to land on the one question. of our quest, one of our topics, mm-hmm. and I will ask you a question from that topic, and we can go twice. Sure, we're gonna go twice just in case the first one you didn't quite like. Mm-hmm. So make some noise. This is same as last time. Food. Yeah, this is food. I like. <laughs> you like food, food questions? Yeah. You're good with that. Um, okay, so the first question, if I can get it out, under food, is what is the one dish that you think should be found in every Nigerian home? Should be, not could be or would be, but should be. Should be. Yes, that we all must have. Beans. <laughs> beans? <laughs> beans and plantain. I love beans. Beans and plantain. It's so necessary. Oh, wait, hang it's on. Necessary. Dodo or boiled plantain? No, oh, it's dodo fried. It's dodo fried. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, good, because I was going to be like, you're one of those people. Why would I put 
bold planting and things. They used to do it. Say, well, I guess. Well, no, it's been done to us. It's been done to us. Okay, my mom was like, no, no fried foods. Oh, okay, fair. Skin. Well, I mean, what I've just started doing recently, but I don't do that with plantain, is um, I um, how do you call it? I um, turn it into a fritter. No, is that what that is? No, 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 no. How do what's the air fryer? Oh, oh, I, I air fry like my yeah, chips right. and my my yam chips and my regular potato fries. Now I've been trying to get an air fryer for the longest time. Even if you don't have an air fryer, you can put it in your oven. Just sprinkle some oil on it. Oh, it's the same. So long. Yeah, it takes much longer. Like it takes air, much longer. I feel like an air fryer just like it's just so high tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, let me tell you, the air fryer is literally the same thing as an oven. It's yeah. just like an oven on a countertop. Right. Almost. Let me. I hope I'm not gonna shoot myself in the foot, but they're very similar. <laughs> The air fryer people come like no, it's no. not. Okay, so the next spin, mm-hmm. right? Are you ready? Yeah. Would you rather? Oh gosh. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, would you rather have coffee with Chinua Achebe or have coffee with Wale Shanka? I hate coffee. <laughs> Okay, I don't know. I think probably Wale Shoyinka. Um, Why? I don't know. I don't think I, I don't really have anything to ask. General Achebe. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Books? Uh, All the books? I read, actually, have interesting. I don't have a single Wale Shoyinka book, but I have General Achebe. So you don't want to sit with the guy that you've been reading his books and ask him some questions like this plot point? Talk to me about this. Where was your head? Well, do you know what? I think maybe because... Um, you know what? I don't know. I actually don't know. Um, maybe because I have read his books, I would probably have more to discuss. Yes, you would. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, I mean, extremely influential and an amazing writer. Fun fact, I get to see Wally Sharinka all the time. Where? He lives in my building. I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, do you have to. But no one, okay, but no one really knows, knows where I live. So, <laughs> so I think get that's alright. But that is probably one of like my biggest so things. So you just moved in? No, we moved in around the same time. Like he moved in when that's I was moving. And it was really like once I saw him in the elevator with a box. I don't know where he was going. That's but he just had a box I and I like just so I wanted strange. to like give him a hug but at the same time I was kind of like you have to respect no. just so that I have to like, so I just kind of like big girl. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, was, not... I, I greeted him just like you know you just greet your elder yeah. I don't know is that too much to us I feel like no but it's still it's the yeah. same it's the same what? block but <laughs> while I was when I grew up let me see how old was I um that was before I was like I was seven eight Walesha Inka used to live on my street so we used to live on um, off Ligali, um, and I remember his house was one of the houses on the road. I never saw him, but I just knew, or my parents told me that he lived down the road. That's awesome. So we've come to the end of the interview. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining us. Do you have any final words to tell our listeners? Um, thank you. Well, thank you, IB. Um, I'm not sure that I do. Just check out estateintel.com. Okay. Um, do you have your socials that you want to plug in here? Yeah, so we are at estateintel on what estate underscore intel on Twitter and estateintel everywhere else on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, everywhere else you might want to find us. 
But um, I mean, I, I don't mind actually putting my email. Um, if you want to reach out to me, I'm Dolapo at Estate Intel. And if you have .com, Dolapo at Estate Intel.com. And if you have any research questions or just anything in general, um, you're happy be, to answer. Yeah, I'm happy to have it. Awesome. We will put um, your information in the description okay. for this episode so everyone can go in and bombard Dolapo with questions. Um, Make sure take you it does with not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but come for me. Come <laughs> good. Hopefully the FR people don't come for you as Please. well. I'm, I'm hoping. No. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, everyone. Oh, yay! This podcast is brought to you by Eversage Law Practice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Weekly Nugget. Join us next time as we continue our Real Estate Month here at the Eversage Law Practice Office. Until next time, strive for greatness and have an impactful week.